we estimate somewhere between 15 and 20% of all stock held in the UK is either slow moving, redundant, non-moving stock. So we've earmarked 22 million for the initial investment for the UK, but it's going to be another 40 to 50 million to scale and leverage into Europe. So it's a significant investment. So bonus podcast, still buy, end of season two. I know we'd finish season two, but we've, we're going to get this one out straight away. Um, having just come out of that pod now, what, what were your thoughts on, on Steel Buy? What did you think before and what, what do you think now? I didn't really. Well, well I thought Fort was just another e-commerce platform, which in essence, that's, that's what it is. But I think... Um, was it nice meeting Terry? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, it was good, actually. Yeah, it was quite, quite surreal. Because literally, obviously, I started off at Tisson. When, the, when you're in these big companies, you look at someone, they're like top dog, aren't they? You never really have a chance to ever talk to or not ever because they're just, they're away at head office or they're in and out of the country. They're, they're everywhere, aren't they? So they're, they're not, really, they don't interact with people who are not internal sales, do they? Not day to day not or day week to, to week. Yeah, or month or to ever. month. <laughs> ever. No, but you don't because they're just, they're just super busy, aren't they? You know, mm. you're employing thousands of people across the country. So it's no... Um, Thing on him, you just—it's just—it's just reality. You just—you're not in those kind of. There's no reason for me to override six or seven lines of direct reports just to go, no. go and speak to him. But um, yeah, I'd still buy. I think the way it's coming across as a service to helping to helping distributors is different to how anyone else has ever spoke to us about their e-commerce platform, because in reality, if you can take away putting your slow-moving stock, that's never getting asked and spoken about. You're sticking your commodity products on there. That takes loads of time entering it and putting it on. And then you haven't even got a distributed either. They're doing all the picking, collecting it all up. I mean, it's a bit of a no-brainer not to be on there, really. They've, d- they've definitely tried to look at it and go, "What? Well, how can we make this super easy? Like, what stood out to me was the um, the payment as well, where it's like, you know, if, if if an order goes through to a customer, even if the customer doesn't pay steel buy, I'm getting paid. <laughs> so yeah. you're thinking, well, this is great. Like as a customer, you know, we, we know in the UK, look, people pay badly in the UK, don't they? They they often take the take the pee, don't they, with their you know their payment terms. It's better in Europe, but if you've got someone like steel buy in between you and the customer, and they're moving, like you said, your slow stuff, it's um, it's great. Hundred percent, yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was interesting. Take a listen. Yeah, enjoy enjoy the pod. Hey guys, Peter, Mike, the Battle Guys. We're um, we're joined today by Terry Sargent, uh, the current chairman and CEO of ThyssenKrupp UK PLC. Correct. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and the new CEO of Steel Buy. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome today, Terry. Nice I think to meet you. the best place to start is what is Steel Buy. Let's just start with the kind of the elevator pitch. What is Steel Buy? Steel Buy is a new digital platform marketplace where we bring many buyers and many sellers together. So it's a platform where you can register to sell products and a platform where you can register to buy. And through our smart matching processes, we bring together buyer demand and seller availability in both ways. So smart matching works both ways. Also through our metal radar. So for example, you know, if you're registered as a seller, you get alerts when people are searching for product. And when you're a buyer, you get alerted when people are selling and have material available. So it's this very much this smart matching that brings together buyers of steel at the moment, but moving to aluminium and to stainless steel and to all products and matches them and marries them up with buyers, with sellers. We've seen, both me and Mike recently, we've done a fair few podcasts specifically about e-commerce platforms. It seems to be a hot topic within our kind of sector, the metal sector. Um, Why now? Why now? I think we're seeing a generational shift in people coming into the industry. We're seeing companies change hands. We're seeing investors come into the industry. We're seeing situations where digital solutions and digital platforms and marketplaces have been working very well and very efficiently in China. 
uh, just haven't been really um, exported and, and moved out of China. We're seeing platforms develop and gain success in the USA and now come to Europe. And we're seeing this need to change the way we do business. And organizations like ourselves are investing huge sums of money in developing solutions to move into this area. Digitalization is critical to the industry as we go forward. Now, you've been with Tyson UK PLC yes. for, um, for a period of time now. Yes. Was there any drive to kind of push a dig- digitalization strategy within Tyson prior to you starting this steel by venture? Let me start. I, I was for 20, almost 22 years was CEO of Tyson Crop Materials UK. And we've looked at digitalization as solving some of the back office issues, looking at, you know, leaning out the business, making the business more efficient uh, through digital solutions. But with the digital platform now, it's a different way of working where we're trying to bring together another sales channel. But what sets still by apart, and this is where we're independent of ThyssenKrupp, is that we're not a web shop for ThyssenKrupp materials. So we're not looking to sell materials from ThyssenKrupp. We're looking to sell products from all suppliers and all manufacturers, distributors, service centers in the industry. So we're not unlike a normal digital solution where an, a, an e-commerce solution equals a web shop. And many people have had, got their own platforms, but they're selling their own products. We're not selling any products of ThyssenKrupp unless ThyssenKrupp register as a seller. We're differentiated by the fact that we aren't a web shop. We're a, a platform marketplace, giving an end-to-end solution to many buyers and many sellers. Obviously, you've been in stockholding, traditional kind of stockholding for many years. This kind of challenge, what made you want to be involved in it? And I suppose from seeing stockholding the way a lot of, say, the independents see it, where it's having the person behind the phone who takes the order, processes it and looks after, to then have to go away from that and be part of a, an e-commerce system. What made you want to be involved in that? And how have, you, how have you seen the industry, why it's ready for that now? Well, I think there's the answer in a way that you've got all of these people that are not proactive selling, but they're reactive selling. So they're sat behind a telephone, waiting for inputs, waiting for people to come. And those same people that are calling you are calling five other distributors. So what we've seen, and, and with the 22 years of running uh, ThyssenKrupp Materials UK, there is always surplus stock in the industry. There's inefficiencies in the industry. We've done a lot of ethnographic research and we've done a huge amount of research in the feasibility for steel buy. And generally a coil is sold 12 times before it's actually produced into manufactured as a product. It's handled 12 times, either through service center to service center, service center to stockholder, stockholder to stockholder, stockholder to intermediate processor, laser cutting to the final product. It's, there are huge inefficiencies. So probably we estimate somewhere between 15 and 20% of all stock held in the UK is either slow moving, redundant, non-moving stock. So that led me to think of what's the solution to that? Where can we improve the efficiencies in the industry? Where can we strip out some of that excess inefficient inventory? Where can we help companies maybe become much more proactive through their sales channels rather than have this reactionary sales channel that generally is about price and availability because they're ringing five other people with the same RFQ. And nine times out of 10, it goes to the person who's got it available and got it at the cheapest price. So if you don't have the stock, you don't get the order. So everybody has the stock. And that's why there's so much inefficient stock in the industry. When I was looking at the website, yeah. the, the skeleton website for Steelby, I know it's, it's almost ready to go now. Steelby, it says here, Steelby is on a mission to modernise the way metal is bought and sold, connecting buyers and sellers instantly through tech, providing a risk-free environment to buy and sell steel in minutes. Now, look, as the current CEO of ThyssenKrupp, I know you've said right at the start, look, this isn't just a ThyssenKrupp platform, but let's be honest, anyone listening is just thinking this is a ThyssenKrupp platform to sell material. But hear me out a sec. <laughs> what would you say to people who are looking at this and thinking, because I think the elephant in the room, both me and Mike spoke about this one, we've done the SteelScape podcast, some of the other podcasts with Fractory and other people. 
data is is one of the things that people worry about people knowing what's going on so how separate are you from Tyson? How are you making sure that this isn't just seen as, you know, almost like a data capture exercise for Tyson Krupp more globally, Terry? Pete, that's a great question. And I'm really glad you asked me that question because it's critical and it's a critical part of how we've been set up as a company. So one of the one of the situations once we decided we were going to do this and going to invest in this is that, you know, we had to set up systems that were compliant. We had to set up, set up structures that were um, compliant with antitrust, anti-competition laws in Europe and particularly in UK because that's where we're piloting it. So I firstly had to resign every role that I held in materials. Uh, secondly, we've had to be formed as a separate structure with a separate, completely separate board. And yes, our sole investor is Tyson Krupp, but they have to treat us like a financial investment. So we've had to set up completely separate IT systems. We've had to set up a completely separate Amazon Web Services platform. Nobody in Tyson Krupp can access our data at all because there's nobody that has the access to it because it's all separate. All the servers are separate, all the IT support, infrastructure, everything is completely separate. So Tyson Krupp actually can only treat us like a financial investment. So they can see what our financial performance is through our annual reports, but they can't see data in terms of customers. They can't see data in terms of transactions, in terms of pricing, in terms of product. That is completely separate. And that can, and even in our articles of association and the way our board structures are, there are fellow directors that cannot even ask me questions about the product, the data, and, and all of the situations. So yes, our prime, our sole investor is ThyssenKrupp Material Services Germany, but we're a financial investment. We're a completely separate company, completely separate board structure, completely separate IT infrastructure, which is how we manage the data. So the da there, there is no transfer of data. There is no potential for leakage of data because we're on completely separate servers. We're a completely separate organization. You know, our web services platforms are completely separate. Our AWS, we, we're not using the ThyssenKrupp. Yes, we could have got benefits in cost by using the same servers, but we couldn't have protected the data and protected our independence. It's why we're, you know, you, you look at us and there is no branding of Tusson Krupp. We're a separate, complete organization. Okay. Look, I think it's, you know, I've got to ask the question. Of course. Um, but I think let's move on into the meat of, of, of what we're trying to, or what you're trying to do here. When you're initially looking at this, because Lots of people, like it's not new idea, is it? Sell stuff online. Let's be honest. No, no, no. In our private lives, we're all doing it and we've yes. all invested heavily in it. We're, we're definitely behind the curve in the metal sector. And I, I personally think that a lot of that is because older business owners have just been, we don't know where to start with this. It's a bit alien. And so, you know what? We, it's not broke. Let's just carry on doing what we're doing. What were the early conversations like within? Tyson, with yeah. yourself and the other speculators within the business. What what did that look like? And what, what were your kind of trepidations or were you just like, we've got to do this, we're all on board? I mean, we have this phrase within, or Tyson Krupp has this phrase within Tyson Krupp that, you know, if it can be done, someone will do it and it better be us. But when, when the pandemic hit, like all distributors around the world, we were, you know, how do we turn stock into cash? How do we improve the business in a, in a dramatic time? And we came up with the idea of a landing page on the website. And then we were approached by a couple of customers who actually said, this is a good idea. Could, could you not sell our product as well? And as we know with our industry, nobody likes our competitors to know what our stock issues are. Nobody necessarily wants to sell to each other because you're worried that that's going to be sold to your customers. So we came up with the idea of how about anonymity being an issue and, and actually being able to sell through a platform anonymously. So actually my competitor down the road, I'll sell to him if I don't know it's him and I'll sell to him if he doesn't know it's me that's got the stock problem. So it started of this is an idea to help get rid of surplus stock and redundant stock or slow moving stock. 
And so I approached TK for some minimal seed investment. We had a, and we'd call it Dragon's Den in the UK, but it's Shark Tank in Germany. So we, we had this Shark Tank every month where we pitched pitched ideas for new investment. And ThyssenKrupp had earmarked 4 million at the time for new products. Um, so we took we got 60,000 to launch this landing page, started getting some success and decided that we needed to find out if this was scalable. So we worked with uh, BCGDV, Boston Consulting Group Digital Ventures, and spent most of 2021 doing a lot of research and doing a feasibility study. And that is what really led to Steel Buy being ramped up and invested. So we've earmarked 22 million for the initial investment for the UK, but it's going to be another 40 to 50 million to scale and leverage into Europe. So it's a significant investment by the group. So we did the feasibility and then pitched to the materials board and uh, we were awarded the investment. Um, so it's a significant investment. That's probably why a lot of people don't do th don't do this because you know we're talking of 22 million investment for the UK and another 40 to 50 million investment to scale and move into Europe and then more investment to go to the US. So it's not for the faint-hearted and it's not for for a small distributor that thinks of it as a web shop. Yeah. What made you start off with steel coils? What was the what was the well, that's where we started the, the business. So we started in the mild steel area with selling our, our steel coils. You know, one coil is 20 tons. So that's where it started. And that's where our background and our industry specialists that we bought with us when we, when we formed Steel Buy, that's where the background was. That's where we're very well connected. And we felt we need to do this in a staged approach. It, it go back to, you know, where did Amazon start? Amazon started selling and distributing books. Then they moved into other products and scaled and scaled and, and moved into new areas. We could be here for another year developing aluminium, long products, aluminium sheet, aluminium coil, stainless steel tubes. But we've got to start somewhere and we need to enter the market and develop the concept. So we decided steel because that's how that's where we have access to a lot of materials through steel service centers, through the, the network that we have in relationships. And we'll move quickly through the products. So we have the launch coming this Friday, and that's steel coil. The next plan will to be moving to plates and sheets in steel. Then we'll move to aluminium and stainless products. And then after that, we'll move to uh, steel long products. This podcast is sponsored by the UK Metals Expo. After the successful launch of this event in 2022, the UK Metals Expo will be back at the NEC in Birmingham on the 13th and 14th of September 2023. For podcast listeners, you can secure a 20% discount for booking a stand by quoting the Metal Guys Talk Business when speaking to the event organisers about booking. The UK Metals Expo is an industry event connecting the full supply chain from primary metal manufacture through supply chain, processing, fabrication, surface coating and all the way through to recycling, effectively, as they used to say in the old days, from melt to market. With full endorsement from the UK Metals Council, its trade members and other industry bodies, the show had great initial credentials and has the potential, in my opinion, to become a huge annual event in the UK, drawing exhibitors and attendees from across the UK and further overseas. With free-to-attend seminars taking place inside the show, it's definitely an event not to be missed by anyone with a career in or around the metal industry. We certainly enjoyed it and we look forward to seeing you in 2023. But for now, let's get back to the podcast. How do you think it will help people when the market at the moment where demand's dropping, prices are dropping? And obviously at the time at the moment with people in the, in the steel coil market, obviously a lot of concerns going into next year. So obviously at the moment with your launch on Friday, how if you're someone who owns a coil processing centre at the moment, you may have a few concerns of how you see the market being next year after a good 18 months. Yes. What would you say to those people who'd be perhaps listening? Then you still buy because it gives you another channel to protect your reputational risk because you may not want to sell that coil at a price that you're showing other people that you're selling it at. 
So Steel Buy allows you to sell that product because actually all that people see is that that material is available on Steel Buy. You're selling it anonymously and you're buying anonymously. So you can sell your coil through Steel Buy without reputational risk. You can sell it quickly. It gives you another sales channel. So actually in this time of uncertainty, I think Steel Buy really comes into its own. It gives you this flexibility to take another alternative action to, to, to offload coil. Okay. And you know, when you say you sell it anonymously, so what, what's the process of the transaction? I'm, I'm a service center now. I've got some coil. I've sold it. What happens? Where, how do who delivers it? How does it work logistically? So we, we arrange everything from all you have to do is load the product onto the site. So you, and, and this is where we talk about risk-free because every seller is pre-vetted. You go through an onboarding process before you can register coil or product for sale on steel buy. Every buyer is vetted as well. So you know that it's a, it's a bona fide seller and a, a bona fide buyer. So whichever you are, a seller or a buyer, or both in some cases, you know that everyone has been pre-vetted. So what happens, all you effectively have to do before getting paid is load the product onto the website. So you, you load your product onto the app and then determine the price you want to sell at and everything then is taken care of. So once once an order is made and confirmed, we arrange collection from the seller and delivery to the buyer. We will arrange for all the, all the purchase orders and invoicing and, and cash. Everything is taken care of. So it's a full end-to-end -end service after you've loaded the product for sale. I've got a load of questions <laughs> typing away. So yeah. we'll try, try and stick with where you are at the moment. Yeah. So I'm... I'm a, a supplier of material yes. and I want to use the steel buy service. Yes. I load on my product and I load on a price. And a, and a test certificate, for example. So so you can sell prime and non-prime. Yeah. And the, the test, uh, you then... We then anonymize. Yeah. Okay. Um, how about, let's go into the, the payment because obviously that, that's crucial, right? Yeah. Who's taking the risk? Who's taking the kind of, who's credit insuring it and, and we, how are we getting paid? So we will effectively pay the seller and we take payment from the buyer. So the buyer pays steel buy and steel buy pays the seller. How about, let's just be honest about it. How about when the payment's late or elongated or someone doesn't want to pay? We pay. Right. It's guaranteed. So the payment terms, when you, when you set up a seller account, you set up with a, agreed terms and we will honor those terms. It's our responsibility to ensure that the sellers pay. Whether the sellers pay or not does not affect our effective contract with the seller. So the seller, that's where we say it's risk-free for the seller because he's, he's, he's effectively getting paid. If they're late, that's our issue. Um, but we will pay. It's a great opportunity for steel traders, isn't it? Fantastic opportunity. Because if you if you're looking if you're part if you're a trader, and you can put upload your stock and your capability onto this platform, I mean you're basically entering a marketplace you were completely unaware of. Yes, and if you imagine steel traders, you know because we've done it in the group for years as TK. You know you you bring a, a vessel across of two or three thousand tons, of which seven or eight hundred tons maybe is unsold when it lands. Just load it on steel buy. Just on just load it on steel buy the price you want you want to sell it at. And then the transaction takes care of itself. Uh, buyers will get advised, will get alerted that product is launched and the smart matching will, will pull together. The algorithms will pull together that demand to that availability of material. Well, that's it is great for stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you're a trader, it's, I mean, you know, what people are talking about in the industry and the concerns they have, if you're a trader, then going through this uncertain time, it's just you've got another revenue stream, especially a yeah. lot of trade traders are very small, you know, well-connected companies, but equally don't necessarily have, uh, you know, the staff to really push the potentials that the mills they're representing have, have they? We agree. I agree. And and that's why we think it's it's another sales channel. Whether you're, whether you're a trader, a service center, a stockholder, it's another channel. It's a, It's another channel that gets you to a broader base of customers in real time, 24 seven. What type of customer should be 
registering to buy. So, you know, like if you've got to add value, maybe there's laser, like yeah. you mentioned earlier, all yeah. the different things that calls can be used for. How does that, how easy is it for, you know, the consumer? It will be very easy as we go forward to, to a fence, for a fence builder or a gate manufacturer to buy his product to build a few gates. We're not there yet because we're, we're, we're selling full coils. But the beauty of the platform is the platform will allow you as we go forward to, to add second and third service applications to it. So you can add processing, you can add polishing, you can add coil slitting, you can co add cut to length. That's not where we are at the launch, but that's where we're moving to. And that's why we've got a full team of developers working on the next phase. So we, we go for launch this week. We're already now planning the campaigns for what's the next process, what's the what are the next products, what are the next markets. So the plan eventually, Mike, will be that if you're a manufacturer of anything in metals, you can buy 24-7 the product on steel buy. And as the market develops, as the marketplace, the size of the marketplace develops, and that's where we think we have the re a real, real um, technological advantage that we're not a catalogue. So as a buyer, you register the products for the products that you're interested in. That's all you get alerted to. You don't have to trial and, and go through 74 pages of aluminium products if you're only interested in one millimeter coil. That's the products you get. So, or we've got this really, really cool smart matching that because of our industry experience and we've been able to develop the algorithms that it may be that you're looking for a certain product, but there are products that, that we have available close enough that will work. Yeah. Um, and you'll get alerted for those products. You'll get alerted for an ideal match or best match. Okay. What's the type of profile of account, you know, of kind of, I suppose in when I was, you know, just doing desk sales, you obviously yeah. get a, a wide variety of different people, don't you? you? Get the people who are a family-run engineering business. You can get your corporates who have got, you know, they want to do corporate deals where they're, you know, yeah. going together with tonnage. How how do you see that early on over maybe the next twelve months? The type of profile of person who should be registering with with Steelbar. I think anyone at the moment that we're looking at service centre stockholders and maybe one level below that. But as we move forward during the next 12 to 18 months, pretty much anybody that can pay for metal is a matching profile. In my opinion, buyers are pretty lazy and they tend to buy from the same places. They have good relationships with the person that they're buying from because they buy from the same people over and over. How are you going to get them onto the platform because it's all well and good building it, field of dreams. If we build it, they will come. How are you going to make sure that people actually do come and register and start using the platform? Because I'm guessing that's the costly part of actually trying to publicize it like we're doing today yeah, yeah. To, to get people to get interested in using it. And that's why we're building. We've got a, an incredible sales team, a really, really talented marketing team. And the marketing team is not from the industry. You know, It's from best practice marketing uh, because you know a lot of this is going to be through digital campaigns and we'll bring customers and and this is exactly this is perfect for a lazy buyer because you don't have to send inquiries to five people because yes most people buy from the same people but they generally still send the inquiry to four other people and wait for those prices and then maybe ring their friend to match the best price mm. so this is perfect for the lazy buyer once he's used it once why would he want to go anywhere else? He doesn't have to send it then to five people. He just logs on to Steelbuy or actually doesn't even log on to Steelbuy. He gets told by Steelbuy when his product's available, when, when there is product available. So it's actually perfect for the lazy buyer. How, how user-friendly is it? So I'm sold now. I'm, I'm, a I'm, a, I'm a stockholder. I've got loads of coils. How easy is it for me to upload my stock portfolio onto Steelbuy? Today... Not as easy as we want it to be because you okay. still have to load each item. Yep. But we are working very, very hard and our development team and uh, engineering team are working on automatic uploads so that you can, you can upload 150 items and dimensions in one keystroke. Yep. So we're working on that. It would be wrong for me to say 
that when we launch on Friday at ISTA, that will happen. It won't. But it's like all of this, it, it's a development. And we're working very, very hard on developing the software that allows people to. I mean, in an ideal world, we will have a link with the ERP system of a seller that they can just press a button and upload any items of stock. That, that's, that's the plan, the, that's is the it? Plan. Yeah. That's the plan. That's the end game. At the moment, we're not there. And how easy would it be to just change, you know, the market drops? How easy is it to change your price? And, and you can, you can continually um, go in and, and amend your listings. Yeah. So you, you list today. You can go in 48 hours later and, and, and say, I want to change the price. I want to increase the price. I want to decrease the price. You can amend it. Listings can always be amended. Okay. So it's not a one a one time list of price list of product list of price. You you can amend your listings. What I wanted to ask, and again, I, I seem to be digging into the kind of ifs, buts, and maybes in the watch, but I think these are important Absolutely. questions. We will all have had this experience where you've got a price from a supplier, you win the order, you go back to the supplier, and they think effectively i've dropped a bollock here i've quoted you the wrong price so they'll say are oh, the materials sold or oh it's already been you know the, the normal cock and ball story that we get if i've uploaded a product at a price do i have to sell it if you give me an order or if an order comes through still by to buy my product and i think oh, i do not want to sell this what what where is the risk we there? ask people for a, li a guaranteed listing for a period of time yeah and they part of the terms and conditions will be that exclusivity. Yeah. And then it's a process. So we will always check before we will accept an order, we will always check that the product's still available. Yeah. And that will be a, a very slick, very quick, yeah. Quick data flow. So we'll Sorry, I'm jumping in. So effectively, no, no. an order yes. comes in. Yeah. You drop a quick message, however it is, to the supplier just, just to check. So you don't available. technically take the order at that point and it's like, yeah, we've got it. Yeah, ready to go. Yes. And okay. that's when we confirm. So that's when the contract becomes, we place the order with yeah. the seller and we accept the order from the buyer. But there and is that. A, there's that. There's yeah. That's, okay. That was that, the, that's what I wanted to know. Yeah. yeah. And then it's a simultaneous transaction. Okay. So we commit to the transaction. And the buyer commits to their transaction, the seller commits to the transaction, and then still buy get, does all of the guarantee and all of the end-to-end the -end work in between. This podcast is sponsored by Amron Architectural. Amron Architectural are a company that I've been working with for nearly two years now, and the business has grown rapidly over that time. Um, very experienced staff, uh, very knowledgeable within the architectural interior design space. Um, the ethos of the company is to kind of inspire choice, engage uh, and work with metals and meshes of all different types. They work with classic woven meshes all the way through to bespoke profile cladding panels and uh, you know the experience of the guys there is I, I would say it's it's right up there in the um, in the UK. They've developed a full range of systems for all aspects of internal and external environments from bespoke ceilings, gantry systems, specialised partitions to large external facade systems and pretty much everything in between. Um, I think the thing that strikes me about these guys is um, they're, they're interested in clients' ideas. They like to talk to clients. They like to know what's happening and develop the systems that fit with the, with the trends but also the design requirements um, of the architects in the industry and the and the clients, so yeah, a company that definitely go in places. It's great to have them as a as a sponsor of the podcast. Um, and if you're looking to create those exciting internal and external designs, then um, these are the guys to talk to. What type of company do you have to be to sell metal for steel? By do you have to be ISO approved? Do you have to be a certain? There's, no. There's, you, you could just be in. You can register. You've got to be vetted. Yeah. So you've got to be onboarded by our key account management yeah. team. So so we don't want just anyone pretending to be a bona fide seller, just getting on and gaining market information. So you've got to be a bona fide company. Yep. And you've got to have gone through a, a vetting process. Yeah. But once that's on, you can list products. Um, but you've got to be listing products that you have available to sell. You can list, you can sell prime and you can sell non-prime. You just have to differentiate it on the product. You can sell it with test certs or without test certs. But 
generally, if we're talking about prime, it'll need to be supported with test certs. But you know, when you say you're vetting someone, what would stop so a person who's, you know, a Far Eastern mill, yeah. registering with steel buy, I've got this tonnage, but we're unsure about quality concerns. We're unsure about, you know, maybe how they're set up as a as a manufacturer. How does how do how would they one could they get on the platform? Two, is are we just in the UK with UK distributors at the moment? How does that kind of work? For the next twelve months, it's going to be pretty much UK and near shore. So German distributors, German suppliers that want to sell into the UK can register and can list their products, and and they'll go through a vetting process. They'll have they'll have met virtually or met face-to-face -face with a key account manager who will go through the process, will go through their registration details. until And until you're registered and have been vetted and gone through the approval process, you can't launch product anyway. And that will be the same as we, as we scale and grow. And as we grow our network and as we grow our markets, we... You know, opening in Germany, for example, isn't just going to be translating steel by website into German. We'll need German offices with German people that understand German customers, understand German suppliers, and the same in France or Spain and the Far East. So as we scale, we'll scale the people that will be that interface to ensure that someone who launches product on the site is a proper producer or, or distributor or seller and that the product will be vetted. You've, um, you mentioned there about people yeah. knowing the market sectors. I think it's important. The German market is very different to the UK market. One of the things that both, again, me and Michael spoke with some of these other e-commerce platforms is there seems to be quite a human element behind them which I don't think is the way to go really with these platforms, in my opinion. So how, how are you going to make sure that you can give the service but remove the human element? Because all the big companies we buy from, again, you mentioned Amazon earlier, any of those big online platforms, there, there really isn't much of a human element. It's actually almost difficult to get through to people. So are you building this system to kind of take out that human element but also, if that is the case, if there is a problem, how, how do we speak to you? And that's why you've got to have a, a happy mix in a way. And we've so far been able to have the balance of recruiting good industry people, you know, to work in key account management, to work in sales, to work in customer service. But we're investing heavily in tech and we're investing heavily in very, very capable, very intelligent tech engineers that are developing and that's what i think sets us apart from the com competition because we're not alone in doing this there are other people building platforms but what sets us apart is that we're investing heavily at the tech end whilst also investing in the industry specialists so you have to have both and i think that's where where we've seen people fail in our industry is there've been tech guys that have come in and tried to start a tech company in the steel industry. We're actually marrying both by having a really, really sophisticated technological solution, but also not ignoring the fact that you've got to have industry veterans. And that's why I'm here. We, we needed somebody with 30 years of experience to come and run a startup. But, you know, somebody in their 40s, it might be a little bit more difficult because, you know, startups can go belly up and can close I reckon I was going to ask this is obviously a startup is this perhaps your first startup from or, I mean, yeah in your career yeah. yeah in your career yeah because yeah. yeah. you've always worked for the big boys haven't yeah. you yeah I was with ThyssenKrupp and KMA, I ran another yeah. German company KMA yeah. before and yeah that's you what because personally for you if we dive into that's the yeah. question yeah, here yeah, it's what, like yeah. why what, are you what, yeah. doing it well that's what I was going to ask you really. could just why? sail off I, I mean, you, yeah, that's really, oh, what I, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what I was going to ask really. I mean, look, you've obviously had an incredible career within, within Tyson. Why did you want to, why, why could you, why, what, yeah, why, yeah, come, you back? Know, why come back really? This, this I mean, is the most exciting thing I've seen in 30 years in this, in the metals industry. And, you know, I disagree with that. I was on Cox's Lane desk for four years. 
that was exciting. We'll, we'll, sure. we'll take that offline. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I really think this is the the most exciting thing I've I've seen in our industry. And you know, if I look at when I came to TK twenty years ago and had some problems to face in the business, then if I, if this had been here as a vehicle to sell our commodity products, then we'd have turned Tiss and Krupp materials round in two years rather than four years. So I'm here because very rarely in your career do you get a chance to start something from scratch. So every time you get promoted, you end up inheriting a team or, and, and, and a business and, and its principles. And yes, you can slowly change the culture. You can move it step by step. It's very rare. And it took me you know, till, till I'm 60 to get the opportunity to actually start something from scratch. Mm. And so I've spent 30 years in the industry. And if you asked me last year to put 10 operation directors in the room and tell me to pick the best couple because I need to employ them. After an hour, I could have figured out who they were. A year ago, if you'd have reeled in and told me these were the 10 best UX designers in the world, I wouldn't have had a clue how to tell you they weren't or otherwise, or what is a growth architect? You know, what do they do? And so it's incredibly exciting to actually lead a team, a very diverse team that's actually based in a number of countries and, and we, we are hugely diverse in terms of gender, ethnicity, uh, culture, gender, sexual orientation. We, we're a hugely diverse organization, but hugely talented. And I'm having to learn new, th new ways of working. I'm having to learn to lead a team that have different reasons to work than I had 20 years ago. Um, and 30 years ago when I started as a trainee, these guys have got different ambitions, different reasons to come to work, and it's unbelievably exciting. And, and so the, in, a, in a long way, I'm incredibly lucky to be doing this. Yeah. You know, I finished my last contract with TK and I could have, could have retired. And I would have done. You know, I'd, I'd signed my last five-year contract five years ago and, you know, I'd said this was the last one. I, I didn't want to do the same thing any, any longer. And then this opportunity came along and I'm just incredibly lucky because I'm learning so many new things. I've got an unbelievable team that know more than I'll ever know. I mean, I don't know how to write code, but I've got some guys that really do know how to write code and write really good code and building really good solutions for buyers and sellers. And that's really exciting to be learning new things as an old dog and leading an incredibly gifted, highly talented team. I just think I'm incredibly lucky to have been awarded this opportunity. How is that? When you went into Tyson 20 years ago, you were comfortable in that environment. You know how distribution works. You've obviously got the big job, but you've got to back yourself, but you're comfortable with what's around you. You're in Stockholm, it's traditional. You know what you've got to do. What's it like now then, being in a startup and managing people where you're like, I don't know what, I don't know what that is. What, what, how, how does that feel? Make sure you get people surround yourself. Make sure you surround yourself with people that know what they're doing. So the first thing we did, obviously we started this product, this program with Boston Consulting Digital Ventures and a company called Holisticon and Chromarex, consultants that helped us build the product during the incubation and built the company. And so therefore we weren't doing it with idiots or without people that didn't know. So we, we were doing it with the best, with the industry standards and the best people in the industry. And that gave us time then during this incubation to learn from them and to then go and recruit at the same time. So we made sure we firstly we recruited all of the leads and all of the lead roles and then learnt from them and got them to build their team. So I think no different than when I was running distribution companies and running any all of our companies in, in the UK is if you surround yourself with great people, you can achieve great things. And that doesn't matter. You know, I, I will never be the best operations director. I'll never be the best manufacturing lead. So make sure that I employ somebody that is really good and talented at that and then give them rain to do what they do. So my role is to set the framework. 
my role is to be the link between our investors and the business. My role is to be a, a figurehead. And my role is to inspire a, a great team. And actually, I don't need to inspire them. I don't need to. This is the first job I've had in 30 years where it's not my job to motivate my team because actually they motivate me. I've got a brilliant team of people that are hugely talented and hugely motivational for me. So I just have to set the framework. So it's not that different. Yes, different roles, different uh, processes, but actually it's the same thing. Set the framework, surround yourself with great people and you'll achieve. This podcast is sponsored by Anglo Stainless. Anglo Stainless are a stockholder of pipe fittings and flanges based in the UK. Um, I've had the pleasure of working with Anglo Stainless for well, for many years actually. Uh, I've experienced the quality of their materials and service firsthand with um, thousands of items in stock from low pressure BSP all the way through to high pressure forge fittings as well as butt weld, hygienic gaskets, pipes, valves and flanges to suit. They're a great place to find the products you need all in one place. They've got a really experienced team supplying products across the UK and also overseas. But for more details, check out the podcast show notes or give them a call. Uh, They come well recommended from me and will be a great addition to anyone's supplier network. Order with confidence from the team at Anglo Stainless. But now, let's get back to the podcast. Let's talk about money. Yeah. Yeah. You've thrown some figures around 22 million UK, 40 to 50 million euro. Yeah. X for america when that happens you know we spoke about rebus apparently valued at 750 mil i mean god knows who's valued that well that was pre pre, there wouldn't be there wouldn't be that now since the you know that investment market has has come off its peak obviously but they did raise 75 million dollars from SoftBank venture fund it's a lot a lot of cash so as you can see there's there's lots of money being thrown at these things yeah i'm of the opinion it's very easy to spend money like we're all great at spending money if we've got loads of cash. Let's put your other head on, the ROI head. Like how quickly does all this investment turn into real cash, actually something that's tangible where you can go, we're actually making money? Yeah. We're we're planning we plan to be profitable in 2026, 27. So TK worked September to October yeah. to end of September business year. So in the business year of 26, 27. Okay, um, so four, a business four case, to five yeah, years. Four to that's, five years. That's the plan. So okay. four to five years, we expect to be a positive profit in the UK. And where, where do you, I mean, I don't know if you can answer, but, you know, like, what does that look like in terms of sales? You know, how much do you think you're going to need to be selling at that point? Can a lot. You, a lot. A lot. Come on. A lot. Look, I don't want to go into figures, exact figures here, because yeah. I, I think that's, you know, I, we, we can't bear out all of our business case and our business plan. But... As you can imagine, to commit twenty-two million pounds to an investment in a new business, we've undergone, and coming from a German, yeah, it's a few two hundred-year yeah. conservative yeah. steel-making roots company in the Ruhrgebiet, we've got we've undergone a lot of serious examination and serious investigation into the business case, and. We were awarded that we we, a commi- we have a commitment of twenty two million, first commitment, and we're not doing this to end in in the UK. I mean, you know, our investors. Oh, this is going to sound bad to say our investors aren't interested in the UK. Our investors aren't interested in this product remaining in the UK. No. The UK is a pilot, you know. So. 22 million for the pilot. But yes, because then a lot of the development is done. So it sounds, well, only 46 to 50 million to go to Europe. Well, that's because we've done a lot of the development work and the development of the product in the UK uh, in that initial 22 million. And it, as, But as I say, it's not just translate to German, you can open in Germany. You translate to Spanish, you can open in Spain. There's all the, everything that goes with that. So there's further investment there. But yeah, we, we'll, we'll be profitable. Do you, in think the UK? Be any, do you think there'll be any losers in this? I mean, for you guys, you're saying we're going to do loads of money. We're going to do a lot. So I know that people can get on board and sell, but 
who do you think are the kind of companies that might end up losing out, the ones that are going to struggle? I would hope there aren't losers. There, there's winners, and the winners will be people that work with us. But this should be an additional sales channel. This should be an additional channel for the market to achieve efficiencies, effectiveness. And if you're using Steelby to sell some of your products, actually what that should allow you to do is redeploy your sales team to go and sell some higher value added solutions, which is where every service center distributor stockholder says is the holy grail anyway, is to sell more added value services. But you can't sell those by answering five inquiries and having a sales team sat there answering five RFQs that you know are going to be from, you get, you're competing against five other people. Some will have a relationship, some won't. So actually, I think it's a case of win-win. This is another sales channel for the market. I think it shouldn't it, necessarily displace. I think it's interesting the way, the way you pitch steel buy compared to other people we've sat in front of. Normally when we sit in front of people of e-commerce, they try to save your staff more time. You're buying at the right price every time. You've got that more competitive edge from stockholders. You know, it's a surplus stock. Really the way you're putting it is more of going, if you're a traditional stockholder where you're looking to win more valuable business and you don't want your staff wasting their time selling commodity, just turnover business, just tonnage, let that be done through our system. Let people come on here for the commodities. You have staff who become more trained and more focused in target marketing and you go and win that work. But your commodity stuff, your coils, whatever it may be, as you go into aluminium, 1050, 5251, your 3043166, let that be, let still by become the commodity software platform where that happens and that you market just takes out. So. <laughs> yeah, but that's is that how but, you see it yes. the way you want it to be? Yes. Steel buy becomes commodity focused. Yes. When people want to buy these products, they come onto Steel Buy. If you want a more technical and you know your specialized extrusion, you know, and you're well, fabricating and you're fabricating, some welding to yeah, it, fabricating. That. Because that's where the that's where the the true added value for all distributors and, and stockholders is. That's the holy grail for everyone is is more get more for the services that you do because of the of the material. And this is the challenge because everybody has to have this huge asset base. So they have this huge investment in stock that ties yeah. up huge amounts of cash that Steelby can help liquidate and turn into cash. Yeah, 100%, yeah. I mean, really, when I was spent a lot more time just dealing with certain parts of the day, the rubbish end of the market, yeah. no one ever wants to say it, but, you know, two sheets of this, one sheet of that, ton of this, ton of that, and, and it takes that long to upload, you know, having to change all the coating and everything like that, and if that just takes that away, I'm free to just do what I want to do and sell. Yes, and, you know, really, that's what your, your regional managers want, your, your, you know, CEOs, whatever. They want your staff selling the profitable and stuff. And that's where Steel Buy helps and Steel Buy yeah. becomes another channel for you to yeah. approach more customers because every salesman as well has a limited amount of time and a limited amount of contacts. Steel Buy doesn't. Yeah. Steel Buy is cross-boundary, it's cross-time zone, and it's open 24 yeah. hours, seven days a week. There's no salesman that works 24 hours, seven days a week. But your reach with Steel Buy is global eventually, but it's certainly cross-border now, and it's 24-7. And you're not having to deliver. No. All your transportation costs done. are done. Yeah. It's all done. Everything gets taken care of in the middle by Steel Buy. So you just focus on launching your product and get your sales, folk, sales team redeployed and focused on things that really add value. Yeah, I think people, again, playing devil's advocate here, you just, you can see that they you can understand why there's the trepidation, particularly yeah. from some of the more family-sized, medium-sized businesses where they've yeah. done things their own way for a long time. They don't really want to go down this route. 
And then we look at what Fractory are doing, yeah. where they're looking at going, well, actually, you can upload a CAD file. We'll just quote it. We'll actually go out and fabricate. They're going yeah. down that route. You're going down your route. But when when's the crossover happen? Like, when does it get to the point where you go, right, we've, we're dominating that sector. Now we want to go for the added value. Or do you not see that added value is really what you're going to be doing? I don't think yet. And I don't think we have plans for that yet. Mm. Um, we have plans for maybe partnering. You know, we see ourselves very much as a, as a broker in that part that we will be able to organize. You know, one of the great things of our network is that we have relationships with people that laser cut, that, yeah. that cut to sheet. So we can broker that. But I don't see that we're going to become this asset business that does laser cutting, that does coil slitting, that does coil processing. We're not going to invest in assets. That the integrity of steel buy is that we don't own physical assets. So we don't own metal. We don't own warehouses. We don't own guillotines and saws and tube grinders. That's not our business. So we'll probably partner and broker that. But actually, I think you hit the nail on the head. And this would be the message I would say to to all of the all of the industry actually is, and and particularly these some of these small to medium family kind of businesses is, you hit the nail on the head when you said we're all used to doing this in our private life, we're all used to doing it in our B two C, as more people get used to doing it in B two C, which they do, it's a very simple transition into B two B, and so why now in steel is because there's a generation that are now used to doing it and have been buying their products for home for 15, 20 years. And you see it in the chemicals industry. It's not just the steel industry. I mean, we're all in the metals industry, us yeah. guys. Yeah. But actually, we're seeing it in the chemicals industry and the pharmaceuticals industry. It's not just steel that this is happening. This is an explosion that's happening in so many industrialized B2B products around the globe. And I read an article recently from the Harvard Harvard Business School about, you know, every industry is going to be touched by platform businesses. And the growth of platforms is kind of exponential. So we're seeing it in the metals industry where we kind of behind the curve. But actually, this has worked in the chemical industry. It's worked in many other industries. It'll work in the steel industry. It'll work in the metals industry. It's just that we're maybe a little bit slower. But platform economies are here and are here I, to I, stay in a big way. I don't disagree. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. You know, We were looking at these kind of things when I had my business. It yeah. was like this model, the aggregation star model, that was what I wanted to do. It was like, that's going to happen. Yeah. It'll happen. More generally with the steel market, Mike kind of touched on it earlier, but how do you see things kind of going over the next couple of years? There's a bit of, you know, people are really talking up a recession. I've never heard so many people so negative about things. It's like nothing's happened yet, really. So what? what well, what's they, your thoughts? They could probably be a bit more relaxed because they've all made enormous amounts of money for the last yeah, couple of years. Yeah, they forget that though, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. As soon as it goes down yeah. the other way, they're all like, whoa, oh, and yeah. you're like, hang on a minute. But, but they're probably a little more comfortable to accept it at the moment. But, but we are going to see a, a period of uh, different market conditions. How bad, who knows? How is it going to be a real trough or you know, a, a steady slope? We don't know. But actually, that's where we come into our own. We come into our own in these periods of uncertainty because you can, trans you can, you can liquidate your stock. If it's a big slump, everybody is going to want to get rid of stock. Everybody is going to be forced to sell at whatever they can get. And steel buy gives that opportunity, as I said earlier, to do that anonymously without advertising that we're overstocked by 30%, we're overpriced by X percent. It gives you the opportunity to go and liquidate product quickly at a price that gives you no reputational risk. All your customers that you're selling to at your base price of 100, let's say, and you now need to offload stock at 70 or 80 or 90, and you don't want your good customers to know because you've sold it to them 100, mm. you can sell it at 80 or 90 or 75 because of the market conditions. But actually, what your customers, the only risk your customers see is that this product available on steel buy mm. at 80 or 90, it doesn't see that you, XYZ Steel Service Center or stockholder or distributor or mill is prepared to sell product 
lower than you're selling to your best customers. Because all they see is that steel buy have got material available yeah. on an anonymized it's test certificate. Still painful though, isn't it? You know, you talk about liquid, yeah, you just liquidate it. But if that pain's there, that what steel buy still buy doesn't cause the pain. Steel buy gives you an opportunity to alleviate some of that pain. Mm. The pain's there. The pain's there because of the industry. The yeah. pain's there because of the demand. The pain's there because five distributors are all holding the stock because one of them are going to get the order. And the only thing that's guaranteed is if you don't have the stock, you don't get the order. Yeah. So everybody has the stock. And therefore, we've got all this inefficient stock in the, in the, in the whole UK market. What Steel Buy gives you the opportunity is that when you don't get the order, go and offload the stock. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so actually, Steel Buy gives you an advantage in this, in this time of uncertainty because it's another opportunity to liquidate your stock. No, I get it. Just finally, just for a bit of fun as well, we yeah, always ask about the biggest mistakes, the things you've, you've said, you're a veteran now, been around the block a little bit. So biggest mistake in your career, what's the kind of thing where you really think, ah, oh, I really dropped the ball there. And for someone listening to be like, look, just don't, don't do this. Don't do a Terry Sergeant. Exactly. Don't do a Terry Sergeant. God. There's probably a load and and if you interviewed people that had worked for me, they'd probably say, oh no, that wasn't. There's a even bigger mistake. But I think the, probably I would say the biggest mistake I, I made was, and it was when I came to TK Materials uh, 22 years ago and we had to turn the business around. And I probably spent two years making every decision myself. It's kind of lonely as well then. And yes, you, you, you can restructure and you can make difficult decisions. But actually, I was slow probably in surrounding myself and bringing in a, a highly capable new team. And so I think the, the thing I've learned most, and I touched on it earlier, is surround yourself with good people. Have the self-confidence to surround yourself with people that are better than you. And be confident enough that they can be challenging, but they're actually together. You're going to create and, and deliver even more than surrounding yourself with people that aren't as capable. So I always said that, you know, A people surround themselves with A people. B people surround themselves with C people. And so my biggest learning was to ensure that as often as you can, you have an exceptional team of talented people. And that's been my biggest learning in 30 years. Only took you until now 50. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. I, think I've had, I think I've had some great people at Materials. Um, and I had a great team. Certainly in the last few years, I, I had some great, great people. And I've been privileged to work with some really, really, really capable people in TK. And before then at KME, but certainly in the last... 10 years at TK, I had, I had an exceptional team of people. Well, good good luck with this this launch. You know, I, mean, I know you. it's a soft launch on Friday and it's just going to kind of run through, but I think it's a really exciting project. It'd be great to sit down with you probably like 24 months yeah. later from now, you know, a good yeah, few years down and see kind of where the, where the project's yeah. gone. Well, let's plan um, to do that. And, and yeah, thanks ever so much. You can see how passionate you are about it. So good, good luck, both of you, with the, uh, with the project. Thank you. Thank you. It's been good, uh, good meeting you, and uh, thanks for the opportunity to talk about something you're uh, passionate David. about. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, it was great. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Mike. So Friday, second of December, 2022. Steel It's launched today. It's out now. It's out. Yeah. I don't know. What did they say we're going to put on? Was it a, about a thousand tons? About a thousand tons on launch day. Yep. Um, be interesting to see how quick it, you know, ramps up. See what the user experience is like. Quick, because I think with all of these platforms, <laughs> you feel harsh saying the word clunky, but what generally happens is they're not they're not perfect <laughs> at the start. They kind of have to get there. But having a look at it, you know, about I don't know a couple of weeks ago when I went and had a look at the the kind of the beta system that they were developing, it looked. It looked nice. It looked like it would work, but again, without having used it live, I'm not quite sure, you know, what it what it will be like to use, what the user experience will be like. But they've got that dev team in there, so I'm guessing it will change quick. Um, and I'm looking forward to getting back, you know, 18 months down the line, two years down the line, and actually seeing 
what's happened because, you know, like I said, there's a lot, a lot of money being invested in this, and I think the plans to kind of scale it through Europe and into the states as well. It'll be interesting to see how far they can go in the next couple of years. Really, it will be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna go for, it, aren't they? So they've got a really so. strong, knowledgeable team who knows, you know, knows multi metals, knows the steel industry. You know, you've got people like Ian Griffiths, Cameron Sergeant. Actually, Terry's got a strong multi metal stuff yeah. holding background. Very well connected team, and I'm sure that it will. Uh, I try and push it and grow it, and I think um, I'd be interested to see what people think because you know we've spoke to a few e-commerce platforms now, so people who are listening have managed to get all the way to the end of the pod. Well done, <laughs> but um, yeah, let us know what what are your kind of thoughts on steel buy. What are your thoughts on you know why they've set up? What what do I you think? think I think most people's concerns with e-commerce systems is for for all of their career up until late where these kind of platforms are being pushed in the industry sector is that they've always been told be close to your customers know what's going on you know find out what's that's going on in our business how we can help how you can help and it's i think people get concerned about not having those conversations and i think in reality of when you listen to what terry said getting rid of your commodity stuff that takes up a lot of your time a lot of your time quoting, a lot of time putting the orders on the system. And if you can if you can control from outside of those going up through your prices and you picking up those orders and they're just being put through the system and straight into your into your team where they're picking the material, then it takes a lot of time to generate business that you actually want. And in reality, there's not not many people are very good at BD and not very good at selling the business. And, be, and, he, and he mentioned it at, at one stage, didn't he? People trying to sell and trying to add value. This allows you to take control of your BD, really, and the price levels you want. How many conversations you have where you go, well, why'd you do that, that price for? What was that order about? Well, you don't have none of that, do you? Yeah, no human so. error put of putting the orders on the system. You know, if you could get away that, that as it goes through, that order's done can add to your back office then it's it's interesting isn't it like all of these unless people embrace it it comes that's what it comes down to it doesn't come down to any of these platforms whether they're good or not it takes down to people in the in the right people to embrace them doesn't it yeah and if they don't then it doesn't it's another one that doesn't work yeah i think um i think it's got legs <laughs> <laughs> I think they've all had legs, haven't they? Yeah. It's just of how, at what angle they go to. I quite like the Terry's way of his angle of going slow moving stock, commodity products. In reality, that's what it should be down to because commodity products are just down to price. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. But hope you've enjoyed the podcast. As I say, just a bit of a bonus one at the back end of season two. Season three, we think we'll start. That should be coming out, I don't know, early Jan. Well, sorry, late Jan, early February, something like that. Um, looking for a few more sponsors for the third series. Uh, looking for three sponsors for that. So if you're interested, give us a shout. But um, yeah, thanks to the sponsors for season two, Amaran Architectural, Anglo Stainless, and the UK Metal Expo back in 2023. Looks like they've sold a lot of floor space already. So um, if we don't see you beforehand, we'll see you at the UK Metal Expo next year. Take it easy. Have a good Christmas. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, enjoy. Merry Christmas. Yeah. You filthy animal. And a happy new year. <laughs>